Welcome to the UMass Hockey Hour on 91.1 WMUA. Hour, joined by John Ruggiero, Jimmy Whalen, Jacob Repper. I am Andrew Golden. Busy week for the UMass Minutemen. They uh, they just finished off a series split against Northeastern, three two, and at, at Mullen Center, and four nothing at Matthews Arena. John, you were at the game alongside of me at Matthews. What what can you say about this weekend? Well, I think the Minutemen are okay with splitting the series against Northeastern. I know Carville really wanted the boys to come out with the victory on Saturday night, but that 2-8-1 and one road record, just it's not going to – they weren't going to win, <laughs> simply said. And, you know, I, I think it's great that they were able to win on senior night and um, build maybe a little bit of momentum going into, you know, another away series against Maine, which we'll talk about soon. I think overall the the hockey standings just I think that uh UMass has kind of had an up and down year. Obviously they've had some better games than not. Um and, and then they've had some bad games too, but um I, I agree with you, John. I think it was really great that they, they won for senior night, the last game at the at uh at home in the Mullen Center for them. And I think that um this is just a great opportunity for them to just kind of come in with some momentum as we enter um, the tournament um, kind of season. And I think that, you know, um, there, there's a lot to talk about. And I think that, you know, it's just it's, it was just great to see them win. And, you know, against Northeastern, just uh, kind of establishing themselves as a good team against teams in Hockey East. And I think that, you know, even though they split this series, not the thing that they wanted to do, obviously, I think that they did a good job of, of winning the game at home and just and just getting the W there. Yeah, I mean, this was not an ideal season for UMass by any means. Granted, we're not done yet, but when you look back at this season and everything that UMass has done, in some aspects, yeah, they've fallen short, right? We've seen that. But in other aspects, against Denver, against some series where they won, you say, hey, we really have something here. And we talked about it before. There's a little bit of a gap year for UMass. But if there's one game, if there's one game that you look at and say, hey, we have potential to put together a really good run here in Hockey East. It's that game at home against Northeastern. UMass wins 3-2 to two on senior night. That was the greatest I've seen UMass play in a long time. We talk about the third period troubles. UMass dominated in the third period, and they secured the win. You got goals contributed by Ellie McDermott, his first of the year, and I believe his first as a Miniman. So overall... Reed Lefter gets on the board. Scott Morrow, those are the guys that you want to come together and build this team. I think if they take that win and they go forward, it could be a good hockey East run. Absolutely. I mean, we, we'd, I'd, I'd seen a couple of times where after the end of the game where I just said that's their most complete effort of the season, and I think I said the same thing uh, on Friday night. But it was a different story at Matthews, and John, as you mentioned, it was just, just been tough sledding on the road. But... That's likely where they're going to be in the Hockey East tournament. And 
just going f- forward, moving on, because they got a road series coming up against Maine tomorrow and Saturday. Scotty Morrow and I will be on the call for that. But that gives us a great segue to, to kind of look at where the hockey standings are heading into the final w- weekend of the season and see what teams have up for grabs. So UMass coming in is 10th place in Hockey East with 22 points. That's not not great, but they can finish as high as 8th in the conference. They they still are hanging on to a slight bit of hope for a uh, a home game in the in the preliminary round. It would have to take a lot. They'd have to sweep Maine in regulation. BC would have to be swept by Yukon in regulation. So it's not exactly in their hands, but and if anyone wants to just jump in and say what they can do this weekend to make sure they can do as much as they can this week to uh, to maybe get that home ice. I think that as a team, Maine is um, Maine, Maine is definitely going to be something uh, something of a challenge for us. You know, they've beaten BC, and uh, BC is a team that we've struggled against obviously in the season. The outdoor game this year at Fenway Park, um, and then the other weekend when they when they beat us. Um, so Maine Maine has beat teams that have had that have beaten us, and I think that you know it's definitely a great challenge. But I think if we implement the same level of play that we approached in the Northeastern game on Senior Night, I think we'll be good because. Because, you know, just going back to that game, they were just immaculate offensively. Like, the passing was really great. They set the power play up really great. You know, they got some excellent shooting opportunities. They were excellent on defense and getting the puck out of the zone. And I think that, you know, if they just implement that same style of play, they should be good to go against Maine. I mean, you know, it's an away game. Um and, you know, we're not home anymore, but, I mean, I think regardless of whether we're home or away, I think if we implement that same style of play, we should be good to go, and we should, we should try to grab um, a win or two uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, and even um, you mentioned it, Jimmy. They got to up the physicality. I think uh, that was a big thing. Uh, the first game against Northeastern, they were the most physical I'd seen all season, and that really shifted the tide of the game because Northeastern was stunned pretty much. I mean, this is a good Northeastern team. They just came off the Beanpot win. They were riding high, and UMass stunned them pretty much. And that's exactly what's going to have to happen at Maine for both games. I mean, the as you mentioned, Jimmy, the Black Bears are on a, they're on a month-long hot streak, really. They've beaten the likes of Boston College and even Providence and Merrimack. So uh, speaking of Providence, I think UMass – We'll have to have a game like the Providence game on the road. I, I think that was earlier this month. Um, and we made some comparisons to the that game, Andrew, and um, the game at Mullins on Friday. But, yeah, I mean, the Minutemen, they've proved they can win against a good team on the road, so why not this weekend? I, th- I think you guys touched on it right there. Physicality, for me, has to be the number one point of emphasis for UMass, and that's going to come from your guys like Jerry Harding, Matt Koopman, who, like you said, I mean, UMass came out in that home game against Northeastern, and they started pummeling them right off the bat. And that's something that we don't see a lot with UMass because it's a younger team, and you can't blame them. However, I think it all boils down to desperation. How desperate is UMass going to be when they come into this main series? If they get off to a hot start in those first, first 20 minutes, could be a good series for them. Yeah, and something that I think could be getting overlooked a little bit just because of, I mean, how how unlikely it probably is but Maine still has a chance to get a first round bye as well they can finish as high as fifth place in the hockey standings they uh, have to jump UMass Lowell who's got a tough matchup 
against let's see if I can find it here it's they're playing they're playing northeastern it's a home and home with northeastern that UMass Lola is playing so they're they're gonna have a tough matchup and so Maine Maine's got to see that first round by out of their windshield and and they 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 should probably be ready to go so I think UMass has to match that but I think that just about does it because that's really everything that that matters as far as UMass is concerned for the hockey standings. Let's move on to the goalies because it's been it's been an interesting storyline to follow all season long. Obviously, Pavisic breaking out at the beginning of the year as the as as the guy, and then he's been struggling a bit. He's seen his time falter a bit to Henry Graham and now even Cole Brady, who has gotten in there. And John, I think I think we were talking during the during the Northeastern game at Matthews that that all those goals really weren't Brady's fault but does that does that uh put into question his ability to to start going forward I only think it does because I think coach Carvel is just going to do whatever he wants at this point in the season I mean Brady he looked solid he he only gave up um on average 2.93 goals against in the last 3 games they started you know the two games against Northeastern and the one game against Boston College so I I think um, he might get the start Friday, but if he has any trouble, look for guys like either Pavisic or Graham. I'm not sure who the clear number two is anymore. But and if anyone wants to jump in, who who is number two? If if there even is defined roles, like is Brady even the starter? Is Pavisic definitely the number two guy? Like what what's what's going to happen? Do you guys think after your observations? I think. I think right now Pavsich is the number one, and I think Brady is number two. However, I think like John said, I think Coach Carvel is kind of up in the air about what he wants to do. He's talked about riding the hot hand, and we see a lot of coaches do this in all levels. Who's playing the hottest? And right now, we can't answer that question. However, I don't think for UMass the goaltending is the biggest issue. I think defense has a lot to do with why they're letting in so many, so many goals. I mean, in hockey, they rank first in goals against. That's that's poor, right? And I think defense, they had Scott Morrow and Ryan Uff go together for a little bit. I'm happy to see Coach Carville break them up, but I think they need to play, or play better in front of both these goaltenders. That's what it comes down to. They also rank top 10 in shots against in the country, so the goalies, no matter who's in net, they're going to get peppered a lot. So, I mean, and like, uh, like we said uh, during the game, is that pretty much every goal that Northeastern scored on Saturday was off of a transition or off of a turnover and so what what do you think I, I asked Greg Carvel that and he he kind of danced around that that question in uh in post game on Saturday but like what do you guys think that they can do to to limit turnovers going forward I think that um as Jacob said before I think that cleaning up the defense is definitely going to be a must especially in practice as we transition closer towards um these next few games and I think that also, um, if Carvel is going to do whatever he wants, I think if he is going to pick a goalie, I mean, I'd go with Pavisic and and um, but I would look at what 
what goalies do good against which teams. You know, sometimes there um, there are goalies that play better against certain teams. And, you know, I know that um, Pavisic has obviously played most of the season, but I think that it would be interesting to see him choose uh, a certain goalie that seems to um, adapt better to a certain team's playing style as they watch other teams play in film. Each team, and not every team, plays the same way. But I think that increasing the level of physicality, as you said, John, um, and as you said, Jacob, um, definitely increasing the level of defense are going to be the two main priorities, I think, going into film and going into practice um, as we transition towards this next segment of the season. If I had to choose between any of the three goalies, I think my choice at this point would be Henry Graham. He's shown uh, some good flashes of play, and I think the Minutemen play best in front of him because they like Henry Graham, and you know he hasn't gotten much of an opportunity, so they want to play the best they can for Graham. And Carvel's just not not going with him. I thought after uh, um, the when Pavisic uh, let up all those goals against Boston College, I thought Graham was going to be starting for you know the next couple of games but then Cole Brady showed up in the third period and and started playing and he played he started the next three games so I I wish Graham would be in net but uh, what do you think Jacob? John I like the Henry Graham you know notion that he's going to get in and I like that you want him to get in net but my only concern with that is he's only played eight games so far for UMass this year is that a concern for you going into the playoffs because they they have the energy for him but are they going to support him in the playoffs? Right, and I mean, you talk about experience. I'm not sure that any of these goalies really have that <laughs> at this point. So, um, you know, it is a it's a hit or miss. It's a it's a gamble for Carvel. Um, but as we mentioned, he likes to ride the hot hand. So, obviously, I can't tell him what to do <laughs> as much as I'd like to. But I, I wish Henry Graham would see some reps. I doubt he will, but may, we'll see what happens. I like that. And we will take a quick break, a great discussion from you guys about the goalies, but that, that'll perfectly segue us into the preview of the main series coming up shortly after this quick commercial break on 91.1 WMUA. A message from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. I came to Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous overweight and depressed. I was dieting, binging, stealing food, and lying about it for years. For help, call 781-932-6300 or visit foodaddicts.org. I knew I had a weight problem. I didn't know I was addicted to food. The FA program gave me a healthy body. I'm free from obsessing about my weight or food. Call FA 781-932-6300 or visit us on our website at foodaddicts.org. People join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and coworkers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Register today at walkms.org. 
Interested in joining WMUA, the student-run college radio station at UMass Amherst? Whether you're interested in pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, you have a passion for music, or you're just looking for a space on campus to call your own, WMUA is the place for you. From music and news to sports and public affairs programming, students of all majors and interests are encouraged to contact us today. To find out how to get involved, email us at WMUProduction at UMass.edu. And tell us what you're all about. Before you know it, it'll be your voice broadcasting here on 91.1 WMUA, the radio voice of UMass Amherst. hour we just talked about the goalies and what they could go go with during uh during this weekend series against Maine but let's go into this this Maine team it's a it's a bit of an enigma here as they are 15 13 and 5 9 9 and 4 in the conference they're on a two game win streak they just swept Boston College who obviously uh UMass has had troubles with but they tied both games against New Hampshire they they were on a three game tie streak all three of those games they lost in the shootout to the border battle with new hampshire uh two games and then uh the previous game against umass lowell so uh this team is similar to northeastern in that they're built around their goalie victor ostman is probably going to play a lot of games so and he's probably going to get the start so you know, we, they've they've had UMass had to build around their their goalie uh, this week, so or last week. But what do you think they need to do this week to get past Osman? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, they went up against Levi, who's like we talked about. He's one of the best goalies in the nation. I think just peppering them with shots. I think they average around 29 shots for UMass. That's the number that's got to go up, especially if you want to make a run here in the playoffs. You got to keep shooting the puck. But it seems like some of their hottest shooters are, are getting hot at the right time. Reed Lepster is finding a couple goals recently. Keith Fuchs been looking good. So I think just keep shooting, get bodies in front of the net, and just the basic stuff, you know, get the rebounds, score goals. I definitely agree with that. And I think that um, UMass definitely tries to set up the perfect perfect chance in a lot of uh, a lot of situations and you know I think that overall it's just better to shoot more and and you know and try to you know increase the opportunity to get opportunities for offense and just make sure that the team is just rolling in terms of pelting the goalie and just making sure because obviously you know the more shots you get the more likely you are to, to score goals and you know if you you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take um which is you know obvious but you know i michael think definitely Scott, famous michael Scott <laughs> yes indeed and i think that um you know it's all it's also good and important to set up set up good uh scoring opportunities but it's also important to keep that concentration of shots high if we want to get some offensive going you know and great points guys I, I just want to take a closer look at maine themselves um victor osman He's ranked sixth in the country for both goals against average and save percentage. Obviously, they just saw Levi, who has, I'm pretty sure, the best save percentage in the country. So they're familiar with the good goalies. Um, and then uh, it's Lyndon Breen, who was just named the February Player of the Month, uh, the Hockey East Player of the Month. Um, he had six goals, four assists during that time. So it's going to be a tough matchup for the Minutemen. And that also um, of note, Maine has not lost in regulation since February 3rd. That's a month from tomorrow. So, and that was against BU. So, 
UMass looking to give them their first regulation loss in exactly a month, which will be a tough task. But as you guys mentioned, you know, get shots on net, up the physicality, and, you know, improve their road record, and maybe they can squeak into the eighth spot in the Hockey East standings. Maine plays like a typical Hockey East team, as you see. Osman has allowed just over two goals per game on average. 205 goals against average. That's pretty dang good. And uh, as you said, a 926 save percentage. So they they really they really protect their goalie, but they're not a very high-scoring team. They don't even have a player that has above a point per game. Lyndon Breen leads the team now after that great month of February, but he only has 30 points in 33 games. So uh, it's probably going to be a, a low-scoring series. It's Goals are going to be tough to come by. Uh, chances are probably going to be tough to come by. So any final thoughts as to how that might benefit or maybe even hurt UMass? Well, I think uh, Breen should certainly not be um, you know, taken lightly. He's He's got the 23rd most goals in the country with 17. So that's a guy that will easily get around the defense. If especially if the Minutemen are struggling, and you know pull one past whoever's in that, so I think defense is really a big thing in this game. Um, you know, like you said, Andrew Maine already is not scoring that much, so take advantage of that. Don't don't give them any opportunities, and because they they will have players that will hurt you, so that just cannot be taken lightly at all. That's well said. I mean, for me, I feel like when you're going into the, this matchup away, two games in Maine, all the way up north, it's going to be chilly up there. So the boys' legs, they better be warm. I think you just got to mix it up. When you you look at their away record, they're not good on the road. Come in here and say, what do we got to lose, right? You're on the road. Home home crowd's not behind you. But you got to have something. You got to have a spark to get you going in the cold Maine climate, I guess. Just one maybe final point there is that Maine has a, a goal differential of just plus four, so it's going to be a very uh, tightly played couple of games with a lot of points on the line. So uh, obviously uh, UMass has to acquire as many points as they possibly can, but just at at the same time they're they're probably not likely to get home ice advantage. They just got to set themselves up the best they possibly can. So just playing. This, this could be a good preview for Hockey East play because it's just tight hockey uh, if anyone wants to just add any final thoughts to that. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance UMass sees Maine in, the, in Hockey East, right? So, I mean, I think now you need to use this as a time to understand your enemy, understand you might see these guys in Hockey East, and, and play them the best way you can, but don't play recklessly, right? They're likely not going to get that home ice advantage, but you're still playing for something. Right, so I think that's the most important part for UMass, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, the the season's not over by any means, right? I mean, that's why I kind of get a little bit frustrated with Coach Carville just throwing whoever <laughs> he thinks is good in the net, you know. But I mean, th- there's still something to play for here. There, not only to win games and maybe get home advantage in the first hockey East tournament game, but also for pride and, and not to be. Not to go two ten and one on the road on the season, you know. So they're they've got their backs against the wall, and they want to make perhaps a statement ending this season. 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, I like what you said, Jacob, before. You said something about it being... Um, I'm sorry, I'm losing, losing my train of thought. I think you said something. Oh yeah, um, you said something about it being um, not having them any, not not having anything really to lose this right. weekend. And I think that that's good because um, you know it's very true. I mean, whether it really impacts us or not this year, I think that it's really crucial that we just play our game this weekend. You know, I think the boys should be excited. This is an opportunity to you know, practice what they might try to implement as we enter the postseason. And I think that, you know, as good as this main team has been, as hot as they've been, it's just an even um, better excuse to play really good and just see if they can build some confidence as we enter some more really important games coming up. All right, guys, I think we summarized that pretty well. So we got a little bit of time to kill. It's a very exciting uh, time for hockey, not just college hockey, but the NHL as well. The trade deadline is right around the corner. It's uh, as of this recording tomorrow at 3 p.m. So, and there's been a lot of trades happened already. I'm not really sure who's left on the board. So, I guess it's a good time to talk about guys' best trade and maybe maybe the most surprising trade. And try to keep try to keep biases out of the way because we obviously all cheer for different teams in this. In, in this room here. Well, that's going to be very tough for me, Andrew, as a New York Rangers fan and John Boston Bruins fan sitting right next to me. Patrick Kane, my friends, <laughs> welcome aboard. Blue shirt, Patty Kane, number 88. You were waiting to, oh, to I, say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about it past 24 hours. It's a great uh, feeling. But if I'm going to put my biases aside, and this pains me to say this a little bit, I'm not sure Patrick Kane was the right acquisition for the New York Rangers. Just a week and a half before that, I know, John, you're giving me that look. It's tough to say. <laughs> a week before that, we go out, we get a goal scorer, Vladimir Tarasenko. Everybody's hooting and hollering. Now we bring in another goal scorer when you're disregarding the fact that New York Rangers defense is their weakest point. So for me, Chris Drury, great job bringing in two big names, right? I'm happy about that. Who wouldn't be? But you're kind of not focusing on the fact that the Rangers defense could be the reason they get bounced from the playoffs. I don't know, Jacob. I think that uh, that power play is going to be pretty stacked now. Tarasenko, <laughs> totally. Kane, Zibanejad, Panarin. I really don't know. I mean, I really think, you know, I'm not a Rangers fan. I'm a Devils fan. Let's go Timo Meyer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what I will say about that is I think that he's a great acquisition. I know you guys might need to uh, work on a little bit of defense, but I think you guys got a really great team. I just think the entire Eastern Conference is just stacked this year and I think that you know I'll talk about Timo Meyer now because he's my he's my he's on my team uh, the Devils and I think that you know as expensive as he is and as as you know as many um, as much money and as many picks that we gave up for him I think that he's definitely going to add a lot to our team uh, because I think that the Devils just have been rolling this season and you know they haven't been good for a really long time and I think that it's great that they've been playing good um, and they finally got a little bit of recognition um, and I think that you know um, they're finally out of that phase where they're rebuilding and I think that they're finally in a phase where they can build around some of their younger players that are really good and I think that Timo Meyer, an older veteran has a lot to share with this young team and I think that he is just a great kind of prospect for this team going forward as as they try to enter playoff territory the first time they've made it in a while. Right, and there, there's a lot to build around in New Jersey, you know, the young team, and that, but that's not the same for the Bruins. They're getting older, their core, so they're going all out 
to try to get those guys their final Stanley Cup. We'll start with you know the Dmitry Arlov, Garnon Hathaway trade. Uh, you mentioned the Rangers not adding to defense. I don't think the Bruins needed to add to the defense at all, but they went out and got a guy like Orlov, and they're only paying 25% of the man's salary, and he just went up to Calgary the other night and scored two goals and pretty much won the Bruins the game. So, I mean, along with... That <laughs> was Lina, a crazy game. I Lina Solmark, that. yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great in his own right, obviously, who scored a goal um, when we were on the call, Andrew. <laughs> he's got more but, goals than we, Sammy Blay on the Rangers. Right. We, we broke that story on uh, right. live on on air. Yeah, but um, you know, just two great additions. Obviously, Craig Smith going to the Capitals along with a bunch of picks. So um, Bruins going all out, and then of course they just traded for Tyler Bertuzzi today. Um, that's a big addition. And Andrew, they're actually pulling a Tampa Bay Lightning. They are they with that trade they went over the salary cap. Max amount. So what they had to do was they had to put Taylor Hall on long-term injured reserve, which stinks for Hall. But they've got Bertuzzi now and Hathaway, you know, on the front end as Felino and Hall go down. So two big additions for the Bruins that they really needed at that time. And then, of course, you know, David Pasternak, eight years, ninety million, <laughs> right? So that's. A, some big news today for the Bruins the day before um, the actual trade deadline, and I think this is one of the craziest deadlines I can remember in recent history. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any recency bias in that. But <laughs> I think I think that there's um, – I, I heard that there was surgery uh, in, in play for at least one of them. I, I can't remember who, who they Probably said Hall, it was. Probably Hall because Felino just got hurt last night. So – that that's a tough one, and that that's something that they could say to 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 be like, oh, well, we're not, you know, we're we're not just trying to stash this guy in long term IR for the playoffs. But I think one of the most surprising trades. I think we covered all the all the real big trades. I was going to say the Timo Meyer trade, but I figured you'd get to that first, Jimmy. Um, the one of the most surprising trades to me is the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and L.A. Kings trade. Uh, old friend Jonathan Quick. Uh, finding his way out of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, he was the face of the franchise, led them to their two Stanley Cups, one of Conn Smythe and one of them. It's just kind of crazy to see see him thrown under the bus like that and to just to just sent to one of the worst teams in the league. I get that he had an 8.76 save percentage going in, which is just terrible. But, like, I, that's just something that I, I see could only mess up the locker room vibes. Yeah, I mean, LA Kings are, are second in the Pacific right now. They've got 76 points, and you throw away the the face of your franchise, the guy that arguably won you a cup in 2014. I don't see how you do that. I mean, I get it. Some players, they need to be mixed up a little bit, and sometimes it come, their, their term comes to an end with the team, and they need to move on. But that's not the case with Quick. Just send them down to one of the lower teams in the league. I don't see how that benefits your franchise and organization. And this could come back to haunt them, too, because breaking just now, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are closing in on a deal for Jonathan Quick. So he may find himself back in division in no time flat, guys. That's that's a crazy development. But I, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to see too much time in the playoffs, and especially if they face each other. But I, you, you got to think that Quick has a chip on his shoulder. Well, certainly. I mean, he'll be a good role model for those younger goalies, Logan Thompson and uh, I think it's Aiden Hill. Um, Whichever one's healthy. Right. <laughs> They've had some injuries. But I, I was going to mention that what the Kings did to 
Johnny Quick was worse than what Vegas did to Marc-Andre Fleury a couple years ago. And the fact that Quick is going to, or potentially going to Vegas, is pretty ironic. But, you know, it's just not a way to treat one of your best players. That's like the Bruins shipping off Patrice Bergeron saying, see you later for, you know, one of the, he's been on the Bruins for almost 20 years now. So, not not the best look for the Kings. Obviously, they're trying to win games. They're trying to put their franchise in the best position, but I don't think that's how you should trade a veteran like Quick. So, any any quick thoughts about the Tanner Janot trade, Andrew? I know that's. Uh, uh, I was gonna end on that because I I, I like that trade. I call I had called it like a month and a half ago, but oh my gosh, <laughs> did Julian Breezebois pay a price for Tanner Janot? The Rangers paid less for Kane. Insane! It's insane. Right. <laughs> it's insane. Five draft picks. I, I get. We needed Calfoot to go, but a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. All in different, or uh, some in different years, of course. But that's just insane to me. And especially hearing now that Max Domi is is they're asking for a, just a second round pick for him, which I mean could could be a good fit as well. But we don't have any second round picks left, so. <laughs> So we kind of could see that uh, opportunity fly by. So I don't know. It's just uh, I, I, I like the way our team looks right now. I think uh, Asamont is going to be a very underrated deal. He's an analytical darling, obviously a small sample size, but he could turn some heads much like Nick Paul did last year. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, and obviously we hardly even talked about the West at all but just because the East is so stacked. So, uh, it's going to be a crazy playoff season for both college and NHL hockey uh, heading towards the home stretch. Thank you for joining us and, and listening to our rants about our specific teams and about UMass hockey. But uh, Scotty and I at least will see you in Orono tomorrow, and we'll see where it goes from there. Thank you for listening, and have a great day, guys.